Good morning, everybody. It is an honor to, to be here uh, this morning uh, talking to, to all of you. It was fun. I got to see Pastor Josh here this morning. Our service is at 1030. And so Josh, you know, he, he was able to wake up and have breakfast, come to church. And I was here already. And so it was fun. As I was here, he was getting ready to leave to go uh, speak in Alhambra. So our services are actually at the same time. We have one service at 1030. And so he's right now speaking uh, to our crew out there in Alhambra. How many of you have heard of Alhambra before? Okay, good. Some of you. I was speaking in Texas at Hope Church last week, and I said Alhambra. And across three services, there were many like four people who had ever heard of it. And so I said, have you heard of Los Angeles? And so people in Texas were like, yes, I have. And it's near there. And so that's what I told them. It's about eight miles outside of, of downtown Los Angeles. And we have been a part of Church in the Valley, our family, uh, since college, like Josh mentioned. And there's a picture of my wife and I. Uh, her name is Samantha. She's right here. Wave, wave your... I didn't tell I was going to do that, but yep. There you go. She's right there. Uh, we've been married a little over 15 years. We have three children, Katie, Levi, and Jude. There's a picture of us from last Easter. We don't usually take pictures of balloons, but when they're there, we're going to include them, okay? And so that, that's our family. Uh, we have been blessed to be a part of what God is doing within... A church in the Valley all these years. Uh, like Josh mentioned, I mentioned, uh, met him back in, in college, and we were actually on staff together in 2006, the year before Josh and Eric and the launch team launched OCC. And I actually was here for the grand opening, and I played drums for the grand opening of Orange Crest Community Church. And so now I look out, and I see a bunch of people that i never seen before. And that's really encouraging. Usually you go in a room of strangers, and you're like, Where's people I know? But in church life, when you see people you don't know, that means many lives God has brought together in a group of people. And so it's really encouraging to, to be here, to be a part of this network uh, that, that we're talking about in this series called the 17.6 Network. And I know Josh, a couple of weeks ago, kicked off the series uh, talking about what the, the network is and how we team together. And then Pastor Randy uh, talked last week about kind of the network and what we do. And so I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about that specifically, but I do want to kind of paint a picture of, of teaming. Because oftentimes when we think of team when we're, we're younger, uh, we think of things like team sports. And for me, uh, I currently am coaching my son's soccer team, and he is six years old. So I'm coaching five and six-year-olds. Any, like, parents, kids involved in, like, soccer? Okay. So you know, when you say team, that's a very loose term, Right. Yesterday, as I was coaching my son's team, we've been playing all season, and I find myself saying things like this. Don't steal the ball. He's on your team. You know, like things like that. Don't stand in front of him. You're blocking his shot. And then other times, just play. You know, you have the kid that's like on another field. Like, team is here. Right? You, you, find, you find yourself saying things like that. So the concept of team at a young age is very foreign. What's interesting, though, is oftentimes as adults, teaming can be foreign as well. And in America and the West, and even in our Western Christianity, we function many times as individuals, independent from anyone. And we kind of relish in that. There's a sense in which as we grow in our independence, and we do whatever we want to do and we go wherever we want to go. We're sophisticated people. But what you find is actually... Power comes in your life when you choose to team with a group of people. And this morning, that's what I'm going to talk about. The three ways that God brings power into your life by choosing to team, by choosing to 
move past independence, choosing to move past that, that tendency to want to do things by yourself and to look around you and to see the people that God has brought into your life. And so this series is really this picture of how do we and how do you as OCC team together to accomplish the mission here in Orange Crest and Riverside? And then how do we in Southern California, part of the 17.6 network, get to do that together as we try to reach people here? Then how do we do that in the country as we have churches across the country? Then how do we do that in the world as we partner with different missionaries in all the different regions? And that's what you find is what teaming is all about. And teaming is much more of a military picture than it is like a business meeting. I don't know if you ever have meetings at work or kind of group meetings for school, but oftentimes it looks like this. Now, granted, this is like one of those Google images, so everyone is super polished there. You know, this is like really... Everyone's like iron shirt and everything. Sometimes my meetings are not quite that polished. However, oftentimes when we think of teaming, it's like we sit around a table. But teaming in ministry is actually more a picture of like a commando. Now, we are close to Veterans Day. I'm going to spare like this is not like a military recruitment. Okay. However, oftentimes when we think of teaming, it's like, okay, we're going to talk. And oftentimes teaming is we're going to talk about teaming. But for kingdom things in ministry, it's about doing and my life is messy. Is your life messy? When you talk about ministry and people coming alongside together, team, teaming, you, you're talking about different schedules, different things that people have going on in their life, different static, different noise. And so this idea of teaming, oftentimes there's so much going on just in a group of people trying to work together. It's, it's hard. But to team to accomplish the mission that God's given us, you actually have to picture more of, of what a commando does. And so I briefly just want to give a little plug for kind of the commando picture of teaming. Uh, there's a picture here up on the... Now, is that a little different than the previous one? Go back to that other one. Okay, that, that's like... You, you know Starbucks is probably going to be at that one. At the next one, you don't even know if there's showers, okay? So it's, it's a, little bit, a little bit different. This is kind of the highest level special ops Navy SEAL. They have teams called Swim Buddies. The highest kind of form of team in the military is special forces. And in the Navy SEALs, you're a part of like a swim buddy. And a swim buddy goes wherever you go. And wherever your swim buddy goes, you go where they go. And when you do activities, you know we all like personal space. You can't measure where one person is and the other person is in, in that picture, right? They're, like all personal space is gone. Now hear me, I'm not saying like after this service we're going to get together and just like, let's hug each other, you know. <laughs> However... This idea of swim buddy, it's, it's, it's based on the mission. And in the military, one of the key things you have to do is you have to get rid of your independence. You have to get rid of that it's I, it's me, it's my priorities, my goals. Because in the military, there's missions at stake, there's lives that are at stake by people realizing that they're not independent, they're not isolated, they're part of something bigger. And so commandos... A team for a mission that's greater than themselves individually and collectively. Okay? So even when they're by themselves, they realize that they're a part of their unit. They're always with their swim buddy. And other people are always with their swim buddy. And there's a sense in which we're not alone. We're, we're in this together. And then collectively, our unit is a part of something bigger. It's part of a bigger mission. It's part of the bigger military. And so there's a sense of we, we, we belong together. A commando's definition of teamwork is selfless acts towards a common goal. It's not about me and what I want, but I, I'm actually going to move past my self-interest towards a common goal. 
you've been around OCC, you, you, you guys live by the hard attitudes, hard attitude number one. Commandos, that, that, they get that. My goals and interests can't trump yours. And our units can't trump, I mean, our units, that's more important than my own individual goals. And you, you see that in the, in the commandos. And then commandos, they don't accomplish the mission alone. The reason I bring this up is we have a mission, if you're a Christ follower, that's even far greater stakes than the mission that military has. We're not just saving lives here and now. We get to be a part of saving lives and what God's doing that affects forever for people. Eternity. People experiencing light in the middle of darkness and they can see for the first time. And so we're talking about teaming. These are the stakes. We do it because God has invited us to be a part of something far greater than ourselves. And so the, the key question as we talk about teaming and the power that God, God wants to give us is this. Will I push past me first to be a part of something greater than myself? That's the question we all have to ask. But it rolls off the tongue like a great question. But when you wake up in the morning, and when I wake up in the morning, this question is very difficult. Because you know what I'm usually thinking when I wake up? Two words. Me. First, right? You guys, you guys were tracking right there with me, right? When I, there were crickets for a second there, but me first. When I wake up, that's usually what I'm thinking. It's like, my, I got my schedule. How am I going to get everything done? I need to get done. Is everyone going to cooperate with me so I can accomplish what I need to get done? Am I going to get there on time? Am I going to get home on time? And all these things. My life's revolved around me. And we have responsibilities that we need to take care of. And we have our life that we live and God wants us to do, us, to do that well. But it's in the context of we're part of something bigger than our own life. We're part of something bigger than, than our own family. So I want to start with kind of the first power that, that God gives, and that's the power of clarity. Many times, if I were to survey a group of people, if you want more clarity in your life, how many of you would raise your hand like, yes, I want more clarity. I want more direction on where to go. I ask a lot of stuff, and it's not always rhetorical. So you can just raise your hand, right? We all want clarity. We all want insight. We all want direction. We want to know where we're headed. But when you team, power of clarity comes oftentimes through the leaders over you. You get clarity as you follow authority. Right? I had you on like clarity and then it's like, wait, what? Isn't that how it feels? Like a bait and switch there. We want clarity, but oftentimes it's like, but God, speak directly to me. And he does. And God, lead me. And he does. But if you're part of a team, that's usually not outside of the team that you're a part of. It's happening within this group of people. And so most times our direction in life and clarity and the way forward happens in the people that are leading us. In family units, the same. At work, clarity in your work oftentimes comes through the way of your boss. In church life, comes through the leadership, comes through the staff. So, so much clarity comes as we're willing to follow those who have gone before us to walk on the trail that we're walking on to accomplish the mission together. You see this in the New Testament a lot. You see it in the Old Testament a lot. But I want to share a specific instance of a group of people that were teaming, but they were following the clarity that God gave to Paul. And we talk a lot about Paul in church because he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He started a lot of churches. But Paul always teamed. 
with others. He was a part of something bigger than himself. And oftentimes God would speak to Paul and give him a vision. And then a group of people would come alongside and say, God has spoken to us. They'd speak to Paul. God would speak to Paul. But what would they say? God has spoken to us. Right? Check this out in Acts 16. Acts 16, 9 through 10. It's up on the screen if you want to follow along. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Okay. If I'm being honest, Paul wakes up the next, you know, I've had a vision from, from God. We're supposed to go to Macedonia. What I'm thinking is, where's my vision from God? Right? Isn't there a part like, okay, th- thank you for sharing, but like, where's mine? But you don't, you don't see that. There wasn't this questioning of, great, thank you, thank you, Paul, for sharing. Now, each of us shared the vision you had, and everyone's just looking at each other. I was, I was a little restless. Like, it's kind of hard to sleep a little bit. But no, the, the direction, the clarity, the vision was to Paul himself. And I love how it just, in those, those two verses, those three verses, you see this, the vision was given. Paul had it. And they had it. Just like that. It was given to Paul, but it was given to us. And the picture is like that, that of a jungle, okay? Again, I, I've not been in jungles, but there's Google images, and you can find, like, pictures, you know? This is a jungle. Oftentimes, when you see a trail like this, there's a part of us, I want to blaze my own trail. I want to be a trailblazer. That's the same thing, right? You know, it's like we all have a machete and we just want to kind of go on this trail and start. What you find in clarity and what what God is doing there in, in Paul is, Paul is blazing this trail and he's on the front cutting down these vines in the thickness of the darkness. And he has a group of people behind him that aren't actually having to bear the same because he's cleared some of it just by being in front. And that's what you find through leaders. God gives us leaders to blaze trails, to cut brush, to clear the way so the followers can walk through a little bit easier. So oftentimes we want clarity and we think, jump the trail. It's this way. What God's saying is, no, clarity comes. Stay on the trail that you're on. With the leader that you follow and see the journey God takes you on. So teaming together, it begins with this clarity that God, God brings. The second power that we get is the power of endurance. And this is when you face things that are very difficult in your life. And I know there's people in this room that are facing difficult things right now. And if you haven't, you, you will. There's a sense in which teaming together is so crucial because you cannot face your life alone. There's things that you're going to experience in your life that you need people. And I, I want to challenge you, for those of you that are facing things that are beyond you right now, they're facing things that are kind of weighing on you and you're feeling a little bit of the crust and your knees are starting to buckle a little bit. There's a tendency that when things get really hard for us, we isolate ourselves. You know what I mean? We have a group of people within the church, within OCC, that, that know you but there's things in your life right now, and as you're facing it, instead of pulling in, you're, you're, you're pulling away. 
And the help that God wants to give is through the group of people that he's placed in your life. But in your isolation, you can't experience it. And, and, and I've been there in my own life. If I face things, there's this tendency of like, I know there's people, but then I, I have to tell them what's going on and I just, I can't tell them what's going on. Or the opposite is true. In our own isolation strategies, if we don't do that, then we, we set expectations on people. I'm facing this and you have to do this because you're the only person I have. And then we can further isolate because the demands that we place on people are not meant for just that one person. But God wants to give you endurance through a group that's beyond even your family, it's beyond your spouse, it's beyond what your kids can have in you. In the kingdom, God wants to grow endurance through a group of people from different walks of life, from different experiences that he's, he's helped along the way. And through what God has done in them, they can help you. You see this again in the New Testament as well, in Acts further on. See, Paul is getting these visions and he's starting new churches and people are coming to know Christ. And this movement that began with Jesus' teaching and his death and his burial and his resurrection, the early Christians are continuing his message. Follow Jesus. He's the only way. Follow Jesus. Your life will be changed. Your sin will not be counted against you. And so they're going to these different places. And they're sharing this and people are beginning to get transformed. People are beginning to change. And what they long for in their life, they're finding in the person of Jesus Christ. And there's this movement that's happening. But what's, what's happening is, is there's tremors occurring in the establishment of the normative culture, of religion. And the leaders are concerned that these people are causing all sorts of craziness to happen in the culture around them. And so in an instance, in this team that God puts together, Paul and Silas get thrown in jail. Because of them sharing what Jesus has done in their life. And you see this in Acts 16.25, a little bit later. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Again, it's so easy. You just read that. Like, if you ever read this, and I don't know if you spend time reading the Bible, and it's usually like at home, maybe you have your cup of coffee, or it's before bed, and in your own world, you're like, yeah, they were in prison, they were singing. This is good coffee. I gotta go. It's so easy to read that, and it just kind of like doesn't land. But I would be freaking out. If I'm like getting sent to jail, I'm, I'm not thinking, hey, like, Let's praise God. I'm thinking, like, will we get fed? Like, how long am I going to be here? What's going to happen to my family? Do they know I'm here? Am I going to ever escape? You know, I'm going to fear. But what you find is that they, they were not alone. Paul and Silas we're in there together and the picture I have is as they're walking and they're arrested and they're getting put in this prison you can see this, this look that they gave each other and Paul being kind of the, the leader and the person that they're following just looking at Silas and saying we get a chance to share with a whole bunch of people in prison without any hope and if I'm Silas I'm thinking oh here he goes again he's he's crazy but in that moment, you know, you could see Paul shackled and they're kind of in this room, in this space. And he begins to sing these praises to God. 
And Silas joins him in the song. And all these prisoners are like, man, that's kind of different. Like, usually people are crying, but it's not like songs. It's like they're crying. You could just see these two men with the power that they're given to not give up, to not lose hope. They were put in jail for doing what God had told them to do. And instead of blaming God for doing what he had told them to do, they praised him. That's like one of the most beautiful pictures of the endurance that comes when, when you realize you're not alone. And you don't have to give up. Why? Because there's people next to you that are facing the same things and harder things and they're not giving up. And God's come through for them. And God's come through for you. And what ha- happens is you, you, you have this power within you of God inside you, the Holy Spirit saying, I'm with you. And I'm with him. And I'm with her. And I'm with them. You can do what I've asked you to do. This, this picture of endurance is real. In, in my own life, I, I just want to share a story about even how the De La Rosas did that for me and my family many years ago. 11, year, 11 years ago, we had our first child. Any, like, first-time parents, like, they're asleep. They're, like, they're, they're so tired. They're not even awake right now. This is second serve. This is, like, nap time, right? So, first-time parents, uh, if, if you've been there, it doesn't take long for you to realize you have a new life in this baby and you have no idea what you're doing and it's real and you keep like looking and they're, oh they're still there this is a dad's perspective I get it moms like you've never thought that but for dads you're like wow they're still there and there's a period in my life where like babies cry and like I kept telling myself like babies cry that's what they do but then like the follow up question after like two weeks was like when when do they stop like if I'm being real like, we all know they cry, but like, like when do they stop? And our, our daughter had trouble early in life just with sleeping and crying and tummy issues and all sorts of issues that you didn't even know existed in a human, you know. And there was this time where Josh and Eric said, like, hey, we'd like to come and, and meet Katie and, and just spend some time with you. And we were really excited, but it had just been a terrible afternoon and evening. And the knock on the door came. And I opened the door and... and you know those points in which like people come to intersect in your life at like a really low point and you just you're just trying to fake it? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? How are you doing? I'm great. <laughs> and you're like on the verge of almost crying, right? And that, that's where I was. I was at like a low point. Like I didn't when you're like a new parent, you think this is forever. They're gonna cry the rest of your life. Like, it's not real, but that's, you don't know that. And I just remember that the knock on the door came and I opened it. And Josh was there. He's like, hey, guys. And they're so excited. And I just like, hi. <laughs> I didn't. It was close. The eyes glistened, right? And I just remember in that moment, Josh, you know, and Erica, they, they could sense like, wow, you guys are like stressed out. Like, we're wound kind of tight right now, you know. And I just remember Katie was crying and we put her in the car seat. You try also put him in the car seat. We're not in the car, but you're at home. You know, you put him in the car seat, swaddle him. You know, I don't know what this is, but (laughs) fasten him in there. And Josh came and he grabbed Katie and he just, he began to swing her. And in that moment, it was like, so. I was like, dude, why didn't I think of that? Right? Like, 
He's swinging. Like, and in that moment, it was like God said, like, I'm taking care of you. And as Josh was swinging her, she stopped crying. And then I was like, dude, I just want a hug. <laughs> Thank you. <sighs> but in that moment, it, it wasn't even about like Josh and Erica. It was about like, God bringing a group of people right when you need it. And oftentimes we think like, I need endurance because of, man, all that God's going to do through my life. But oftentimes it's, man, we are broken. And we're hurting. And we're lonely. And we're struggling. And we feel like we can't make progress. And that isolation is in us. And we want to pull back. And we want to pull back. And God says, no. Pull into people. They're the people I will use to help you. In that moment, I'll never forget that. It was just this picture. That's what God does. There's people in your life to help you in practical ways. So you get this power of endurance. Last, one of the things you get is the power of synergy. Now, I can't say synergy without doing this with your hands. So everybody, just synergy. Like, that just, doesn't that just feel right? But it's much more than a hand motion, Right? Synergy is, is a real thing. And here's the definition of it. Acts 16, 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas. Oh, no, that's the, the other one. Sorry. Um, here's the definition of synergy. Synergy, the combined power of a group of things when they are working together that is greater than the total power achieved by each working separately. When you get like a dictionary definition, like that is totally a definition of that. But the idea of like independent parts don't work as well as the parts that come together. That's the Alex version, okay? Uh, you see this in teaming in the New Testament. And I just want to briefly go through this. One of the next steps today is to read through the book of Acts by 2017, okay? Anytime you hear like a whole book in the Bible, you're like, what out? By the end of the year. It's November. You got like a month and a half. But read through Acts in this kind of context of teaming. What you see is, man, we're here because of men and women that have gone before us that have teamed together so Christianity would reach where we are right now. It's a great thing. And so that's one of the next steps. But in Acts, you see this again and again. I'm just going to briefly go through this. Uh, the Antioch ministry team was kind of the beginning of the teaming. Uh, you see that in Acts 13.1. Uh, the primary purpose of this, this ministry team was let's teach and give a vision for what God wants to do and where we live in these surrounding parts of, of the Middle East where they were. It was a core team of five. Paul's first missionary team, they were traveling to Cyprus and throughout Asia Minor to preach the gospel and to plant churches in new territory. Christian churches that have never existed. People have never really heard about what a Christian is. And they're going to these areas and it was a core team of three. Paul's second missionary team, revisit the churches from the first missionary team, going to Asia Minor and eventually to Europe. And this was like a core team of six. And so they begin this work and they get to team together. And Paul, again, never did this by himself. He had a group of people behind him. Paul's third missionary team. Macedonia and to Greece to visit the churches and then to bring a collection to Jerusalem. You see that in Acts 20. This was a core team of nine. So what's happening along the way is Paul is deciding to team with a group of people that are coming alongside him to take the gospel to areas that it doesn't exist so people may hear about the difference that Jesus will make in their life. And as churches got started here, people from that church wanted to be part of churches starting in this area. And so they'd come. And these teams would grow and they would expand and churches would start. And churches would grow and churches would expand. And what you begin to see is the spread of Christianity. The reason that happened is, one, God was in it. 
And two, they team together. And we have the same opportunity today. As we follow God and accomplish His mission, He's in it. And as we get to do that together, we can team and accomplish so much more than we can alone. In Romans 16, if you've never read that chapter, that's a really encouraging chapter. Oftentimes, when you read the New Testament, Paul's writing letters to churches. In like the first few verses, he does the greetings. How many of you like you kind of skip the greetings, like get to verse 4? Right? It's okay. Like, I do that. Right? But in the greetings, he's saying, let me know. Let, I want to let you in on who my friends are. Who are the people that I partner with? Who's my team? And at the conclusions of the letters, he does the same thing. And so it's fascinating. Paul's saying, like, I am so not a man just that can stand independently off the shoulders of others and from the the arms of the people around me. Romans 16, he specifically paints this picture. In Romans 16, 3 and 4, he says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. You'll see that there on the screen. Romans 16, 9. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker. And then Romans 16, 21. Timothy, my fellow worker. He uses other words. Sister, servant, patron, beloved, kinsman. This is one of my favorites. Fellow prisoners. That's like the street cred credit, right? You're like, hey, the other of you that have been in jail. Only a few get that one. Right? Only a few. But Silas is one of the, hey, he's talking to me, guys. Actually, he probably didn't do that. That's how I would interpret it. But fellow prisoners, mother to me, brothers, host, and then this fellow worker. He uses again, again, fellow worker, fellow worker. Well, in the original Greek, this is what's interesting. It comes from the Greek word synergio, which is where we get the English word. Synergy, right? It's in the Bible. Fellow worker. Workers coming together alongside each other, shoulder to shoulder, following and leading, teaming together. And that word, synergio, to work together, to help and work, be partner in labor, to put forth power together and thereby to assist. Assist. Great picture. We're assisting each other. We're helping each other. We're fellow workers. I've seen that in my own life. I'm here today because of people that let me on their team. When I first came around Church in the Valley back in 2001, Randy Lanthrop said, if you stay, I'll train you. And he was true to his word. And it didn't happen by just a schedule. It happened by him sharing his life with me. Me sharing my life with him. I partnered with Josh years ago and he's been a brother that I, I have been a fellow worker with. And he's gone before me. And he's made decisions. And he's made choices and he's chosen to do things which have encouraged me personally. We're fellow workers. So what you find is there's so much that we have in Christianity that people are longing for. Peace, unity, family, community. And they look for it in all sorts of places. The church has it. You have it. We have it. So we are a part of this together. We're connected to Paul. And if, if you've not yet followed Christ, I compel you. What we're talking about is not a set of ideas. You get to be a part of a team. 
And God will do things through you and the people that you're connected with that he can't when you live life outside of him. So consider that. That's the beautiful picture of baptism. As people get baptized, they're saying within a group of people, I'm following Jesus with this group of people. And that's why you celebrate. The community celebrating that. I want to close out and just share a little bit. Just Man, I'm getting a little choked. Man, I'm getting fired up up here. Sorry. Um, I just want to share a little bit about our future. Um, my, my family. That's really speaking to this, this idea of teaming together. And I wanted to share this just as like one network church to another and, and really like one family to another family who were part of the same family. We're part of the same team. And next year, my wife and I are going to plant a church in North Fontana. That's actually close, like Inland Empire, right? And I was thinking about this. As I was sitting down and we were singing these songs and I was getting to sing with you guys. I thought about there are millions of people in the Inland Empire that don't know Jesus. There's millions. And there's more coming. Everyone's moving here. Because they can't afford houses anywhere else in Southern California, right? All you guys are like, that's right. That's why we're here. No, you know. <laughs> so what's happening is that people are coming and it's like, we just, we want a house. We want a community. And they're flocking to this area. Millions. And here at OCC, you're, you're a part of reaching those millions. And next year, next summer, we're, we're going to move to North Montana, my family and I and a group of people, to start a new church. And we're part of that, and you guys are part of that. Because our stories are connected. We're part of the same network. We have the same roots, the same history. And we're going in the same direction. We're in a different area. We're trying to reach people for Jesus. And I want to just share a couple pictures only because it represents the opportunity. There's land there. It's above the 210 freeway. There's new homes that are being built. And there's construction. It's not about houses. It's about the people that live in them. And the opportunity that represents. So as I close, I would just appreciate your prayers. And I just thank you for being a part of our story already. It's been an honor to talk in front of you. But I just appreciate your prayers. And... As time goes on, I hope to be able to update OCC on, on what God does. And for us to know that there's our, our family and our team in Orange Crescent Riverside that are trying to do the same thing that we're trying to do. And for us to be able to help each other in that. And so there, there's some next steps that you can take today. The first next step I always recommend is do what you think God is laying on your heart right now. Not even one of the suggested ones. What happens when God's words is spoken... He speaks. So if there's something that God has laid on your heart that you need to do, do that first. And then I have some suggested ones there. First is, thank God for the team at OCC. You are a part of a magnificent community. And it's so easy. You come and it's easy to serve and you're busy and it's like, hey, how you doing? Good. How you doing? And you're leaving and going and leaving and going. But stop and look around at all the people that God has brought. It's a beautiful team that God is using. And many lives are being changed because of it. So thank God for that. Thank God for somebody specific that's helped you be a part of the team here at OCC. It's a great opportunity to show gratitude to God and to others. Uh, the second is you may want to read through the book of Acts, like I, like I mentioned before the end of 
of 2017. I think that's the third, but the second is the isolation strategies. Only you know where you're at and what you're going through. But I encourage you, if there's that pull to withdraw and you found yourself doing that, confess that to God and go to somebody and say, you know, I, I, I've been pulling back and, and I want to I wanna pull into what God's doing here at OCC. So I encourage you to do that. I want God to, to speak to you. Again, thank you so much for, for listening. It's been just an honor to speak to you. Let, let's pray as we sing back to God. God, thank you for leading us, for being a father that shows us the way and invites us to join you. So God, we we thank you for the way in which you care for us. Individually, you know every need that we have, every want, every desire, and you lead us to the better things. God, at the same time, thank you for allowing us to realize it's not about ourselves. We're part of something so far greater than even what we think and often what we experience. But at times, you just give us a glimpse of how big you are and of how you unify people. And you draw people together in teams to accomplish your work. And so, God, show us our role that we play. God, thank you for OCC, for what you're doing, what you've done and what you will continue to do. To you be the glory forever and ever. Amen.